Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Some who were present on that occasion told Jesus about the Galileans, whom Pilate had killed while they were offering sacrifices. He replied, Do you think the suffering of these Galileans proves that they were more sinful than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. What about those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were more guilty of wrongdoing than everyone else who lives in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you change your hearts and lives, you will die just as they did. Jesus told this parable. A man owned a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He said to his gardener, Look, I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree for the past three years, and I've never found any. Cut it down. Why should it continue depleting the soil's nutrients? The gardener responded, Lord, give it one more year, and I will dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. It's the word of God for the people of God. Y'all, writing sermon titles is one of my least favorite things as a pastor. Because I have to write the sermon title early in the week so that the bulletin can get done on time. The sermon gets developed a little later in the week, and sometimes the title goes in one direction, the sermon goes in another direction, and this is one of those times. So set your bulletin aside for a few minutes, because that will be a sermon for another day. Um, but what I want to talk about this morning is suffering. And you know, there, there is a kind of suffering that we bring upon ourselves that is the result of poor choices that we've made. Of course, the most obvious example of that is, is criminal behavior. But I, I'm not even talking about that. I, I'm talking about our regular, everyday, ordinary poor choices. Think about the alcoholic who, after chronically over-drinking for years and years and years, finds out that they have cirrhosis of the liver. Or the spouse who throws away a perfectly good marriage because they couldn't resist the temptation to commit adultery. There are messes that we get into that are of our own making. But there's also a suffering that has nothing to do with us. And that's what Jesus is talking about today. It is not suffering that we bring upon ourselves, but suffering that just happens to us. He gives two separate examples of suffering caused in two different ways. One was caused by the presence of pure evil. People were offering sacrifices. They were engaged in religious behavior. And Pilate slaughtered them. And their blood mixed with the blood of the sacrifices. It was cold-blooded, it was heartless, it was cruel. The other kind of suffering that Jesus points out is just random. The Tower of Siloam falls on people. Tornadoes come through. Hurricanes come through. We see suffering in our world. 
The first example might be com comparable to what we see happening on the news right now. A theater, and pardon me if I mispronounce, but in Mariupol, Ukraine, clearly marked in Russian children, bombed. Were those people in that theater worse sinners than anybody else because they got bombed? No. No. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were in what should have been a safe place. They had taken every precaution they could take, but in the presence of evil, sometimes that's just not enough. <clears throat> Those who lose their lives in natural disasters, are they worse sinners than anybody else? No. No. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And bad things happen. We have a decision to make. Suffering happens in our world. Bad things happen. Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a book about bad things happening to good people and why does it happen. And, and there's, in some ways there's no good answer for it. But we have a choice in how we respond to it. I want to share with you the story of Trevor Beeson because he has a couple of insights into suffering that are really helpful. Trevor Beeson stood at the high altar of Westminster Abbey to celebrate the marriage of his daughter Catherine to Anthony, age 23. Nine months later, he stood before the same altar for Anthony's funeral who was killed when his car ran into a wall in East London. Four months later, Trevor returned to the altar beside the coffin of his best friend and hero, Earl Mountbatten, who died when his fishing boat was blown to pieces by Irish terrorists. Reflecting on the experience, he said he could not blame God for these senseless tragedies. He wrote, I should find it impossible to believe in and worship a God who arranged for the great servants of the community to be blown up on their holidays and who deliberately turned a young man's car into a brick wall. This is not the God of love whose ways are revealed in the Bible and supremely in the life of Jesus Christ. Beeson found two insights that helped him cope with his tragedy to look beyond it. The first is that although God is not responsible for causing tragedy, he is not a detached observer of our suffering. On the contrary, he is immersed in it with us, sharing to the full our particular grief and pain. This is the fundamental significance of the cross. Second, although we naturally ask why did it happen, Beeson discovered that the more important question is, what are we going to make of it? Every tragedy contains within it the seeds of resurrection. This is, after all, the whole point of our pilgrimage through Lent to Good Friday and Easter morning. So when we're faced with suffering, whether it is our own or whether we're turned on, we've got the TV turned on and we're watching what's happening in our world today, we can know a couple of things. We need to know, first off, 
that God cares, that God loves, that God suffers with us. How do we know that? First off, before we get to the cross, Jesus lost one of his best friends. Lazarus, brother of Mary and Martha. He had been a guest in their home, it appears, on more than one occasion. One famous occasion when we know that Mary and Martha got into a squabble about who was supposed to be sitting at Jesus' feet and who was supposed to be helping serve supper. He was close to these people. He loved these people. Lazarus gets sick and dies. And when Jesus gets to the tomb where Lazarus has been laid, we have the shortest verse in the Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. And the, the verb wept there isn't just that he cried a little bit or he got teary-eyed. He, he didn't get misty. He was heartbroken. He was angry. He was upset. He was hurting. He was sharing in their grief and their sorrow. He wept with them. And I believe with all my heart that when we weep, that he still weeps with us. That when we are dealing with whatever it is that life has dealt us, whether we deserved it or we didn't, that Jesus weeps with us. And if that scene at the tomb of Lazarus isn't enough for you, then think about the suffering of the cross. Our Sunday night Bible study is working through a book called Witness at the Cross by Amy Jill Levine. And it is a really interesting look at the people who were watching the crucifixion take place. But we've, she brings out how, what a horrible situation Jesus was in on the cross. From a human perspective, from a divine perspective, it was what had to happen. From a human perspective, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrific. No wonder Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's crucified, praying, if there's any other way we can do this, let's do this another way, because the, he knew what was going to happen. The people in Israel were familiar with crucifixions. He knew exactly what he was facing. And he went to the cross anyway. He loved us enough to suffer on our behalf so that we could know that he would be with us through the suffering and through the resurrection. We are never alone in our suffering. But God suffers with us. He is always right there with us when we are in pain, when we are in suffering. It doesn't matter who caused it. It doesn't matter what started it. It doesn't matter if it's a natural disaster or if it's something we did to ourselves. Jesus weeps with us. He is with us in our suffering. And the second point that Beeson raises is an important one. We are human beings. We have a reflex from the time that we are small children to want to know why. Why do things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does suffering happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family member? 
And we find, if you go back to the book of Job in the Old Testament, why is just not a fruitful question on this side of the, on this side of life? Job suffers enormously. Job loses everything except his wife, who is kind enough to tell him that what he needs to do to end his suffering is to curse God and die. He has friends who tell him, you must have sinned. Of course you sinned. Because all of this bad stuff wouldn't have happened to you if you hadn't sinned. So just fess up, Job. Tell us what you did wrong. Get it off your chest. And Job insists, I haven't done wrong. I haven't sinned. There's nothing to confess. All this stuff just happened. And Job prays and prays and cries out to God for an audience with God. He wants a chance to confront God. And he gets it. And y'all, while it may not be the most satisfying thing when you're in the middle of suffering, what Job is told is basically, if I explained it to you, you wouldn't understand it anyway. There are just some things that we have to take on faith on this side of things. Maybe we'll understand it when we get to heaven with God. But at least we'll have peace then. In the meantime, the better question, rather than agonizing over why did this happen, the better question, as Beeson says, is what am I going to do with it? This has happened. What do I do now? And we know people who have taken suffering, who have taken situations that were unfair, and who have made a good life for themselves. My grandmother had every reason to grow up to be a bitter old woman. She married an alcoholic who was abusive. She divorced him not long after her fourth child was born. She raised four kids as a single mom in a day and time where that wasn't real accepted. She could have been angry. She could have been bitter. She suffered. She struggled. Life was hard. <laughs> My grandmother was one of the most loving people I've ever met. She was an absolutely amazing woman because she loved God and she trusted God. And she took, she decided she wasn't going to be better. She had a choice to make. And she decided she wasn't going to be better and she wasn't going to be angry. She wasn't going to spend her life that way. She was going to make the most out of the life she had. And boy, did she. Wonderful, wonderful woman. And what a legacy. And she is one who, when the going gets tough, I think to myself of my grandmother and think, what would, what would your grandma tell you to do? And I know she'd tell me, buck up, hang in there, trust God, it's going to be okay. It's not, fundamentally, why doesn't get us anywhere? 
but we have a choice in how we respond to things. We can choose what we do with the sufferings we endure. Life is not always going to be fair. Life is not always going to be easy. Life is not always going to be pleasant. But we have a choice in how we respond. Do we place our trust in God's grace and try to make the most out of the situation we have? Or do we let it make us bitter and angry and shut God out of our situation? The world we live in today is a dark place right now. There's a lot of trouble and a lot of hurt. I remember Mary Ruth was born five months and two days before September 11th. I remember holding my five-month-old baby looking at the television, living in New Jersey, by the way, looking at my TV and thinking to myself, this is not the world I thought I was bringing my daughter into. It's still not the world I thought I was bringing my daughter into. But it's the world we have. And it's God's world. And it's a good world. Even with the suffering, even with the pain, God is good and God loves us. So as we journey to the cross, may we remember that even though we suffer, and even though we see suffering on television, may we be reminded that we don't suffer alone. None of us is ever alone. God is there with us, suffering with us, weeping with us, hurting with us. And may we place our trust in him and do our best to take what life hands us, offer it back to God, and do our best to live and to follow him in our lives. Amen. Amen.